Now it's time for the Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle Tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about what sets Disney apart. What makes Disney, Disney? And... To be honest with you, one of the main reasons is because they collect a lot of data. They use data to help them in some way. I can go back in history and talk about how some of the things uh, that were going on when I was there in the 90s actually were pretty prevalent in terms of the data usage and the things that were going on. We were doing budgets. We were looking at all this information about how many guests were in the park, how many widgets we sold, how many of everything was going on. And we had these computer programs that were fairly unsophisticated at the time, but could help us to decide how late they should be open, how much money they're making, what other things they should be working on, and how they should focus their efforts. Then there was also uh, one college professor I had who was doing some work on the monorail system and looking at how the monorail works to try to understand whether we could do something more efficiently uh, as Disney. And I don't mean me personally because I really had nothing to do with it. He was just sharing some of the data with us to help with a class uh, structure he was working on for some uh, statistical modeling. And it was interesting because he was looking at how many guests went through the monorail and how many things happened there and you know how long it took to get in and out of the stations and so forth. This was back in the days before they had the standing room only monorails where you were going through and you were riding on the monorails uh, where you were seated on the, across the rows. So it gives you a, a sense of just how much uh, information was out there and the kinds of things we were doing. Now in his case, it was very simple. It was very unsophisticated what he was doing there. He actually got on the monorail with a stopwatch and would keep track of how long it took to go around the, the loop, how long it would stay in the station, how many uh, times it would, uh, it would go and so forth. He would just keep track of those things. And then at other times he counted how many guests got on the monorail uh, based on the number of people that were standing in the queue. So it was a really unsophisticated thing, but the t- statistical model he created was pretty sophisticated. So Disney has always used data to their advantage, and that's one of the fascinating things to me. And as a data scientist myself, I look at all the data they collect and all the things they do, and it fascinates me. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, data science, what's he going to talk about something technical here? And the answer is no. I just wanted to kind of, let me summarize for you for a moment here before we get too deep into the discussion, just to kind of give you a very simple view of what data science is. Data scientists look at all the information that's available and help to understand and interpret it so that we can use it to better uh, uh, supplement some of our work and make things a little better. On a simple scale, if you go into a grocery store and you buy a bottle of ketchup, now you make a determination whether you want to buy brand A or brand B. So the store is looking to make sure that they always have enough of whichever one you're purchasing so that they have it there for you to purchase. And over time, they'll look at it and see that brand A is selling better than brand B. There's, you know, they move three units of brand A and zero units of brand B, so they may get more shelf space. They're also looking at how do they replenish it so it's always there, looking at which ones are there and uh, making sure that they're selling the right product and the right thing. 
So on a very simple scale, when you go in and you make your purchase for ketchup, you're helping the data scientists to understand what your preference is. Now they may do some other things with some marketing to you because you went in and made a purchase and now they know something about you. You swiped your credit card so now they know who you are. Or maybe they have a loyalty program at your supermarket and they know who you are and they know what you purchased. So the next time you go in, maybe they give you a coupon for brand B to see if you're likely to buy it. Or maybe they'll reward you and give you a coupon for brand A because they know that you like it. All of those things become part of the data science method to make sure that they're getting the best thing for themselves. Now the manufacturers for these ketchup brands are going to also be involved in this decision because they're going to help understand where and when they should market their ketchup and where and when they should spend their dollars. So as they look at it, you'll look at some of the advertising that happens. You may get an ad, an ad on Facebook or Twitter or some other social media platform for a particular brand of ketchup because they know that you're interested in that ketchup based on your own habits. So they're starting to target you too in, in different places and they'll have targeted TV ads for you as well. And that brings me around to TV advertising. If you think about the early days of TV when there was three broadcast channels back in the 1950s and so forth, there was no way to track what, pe what shows people liked. So this company called the Nielsen Company came up with a clever idea. They would get a group of people across the country who represented the demographic variance in the country. So they'd have some people in, say, Iowa and some people in Florida and some people in New York who they would actually pay a small amount of money to, to just record what TV shows they were watching. And originally it was like on paper. They would write down on paper what shows they were watching and they would say, I'm watching, you know, the Andy Griffith show. And uh, that would help when they would mail that back in a uh, self-addressed stamp, stamped envelope. That would help the marketers to figure out which shows are the most popular shows and they would get a rating based on how many it was. You can do the, an extrapolation to say, if you did this group of people, uh, 100 people, you could extrapolate it to 10,000 people in a, in a market and you could figure out who's watching what shows and then you can sell advertising on those shows based on how many people are watching it. And that's when you hear about market share and target demographics and how many people are watching the show. You know, if, they, if you think about the audience, sometimes they'll tell you, you know, a million people tuned into whatever show. That's all based on the very simple science that goes along with that when they talk about uh, the different things, when they talk about all these things with the, uh, the TV shows and how many, people are on, how many people are watching. So it's kind of fascinating when you stop and think about it. It's, it's really kind of interesting and that's really what data science is all about. Data science itself hasn't really changed over time. We're still using methods that we used before, but now we have much more data. There's so much more between computers and all these other collection methods and sometimes sampling. There's much more data to work with, so we use that data to our advantage. So instead of using the little books when you go in and you uh, uh, check which show you want, then they move to these set-top boxes that can re record the information and transmit it back. And now they're at a point with streaming services where they're actually targeting more advertising based on the streaming and they can actually pick out what shows you watch based on what you stream. So it got much easier, but there's much more data there because now I know your exact, exact zip code, I know who you are, what your viewing habits are, and then I can look at each individual rather than trying to aggregate up from all these different things where I say 100 people out of the 10,000 did this, now I can look at each of the 10,000 people and decide what's going on. So you think about all of that data, now you need computers to help you to interpret that data. So all of that data is there and you're saying, okay, I'll take this data and that data and the, 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 the method is the same, but the amount of data is much greater. 
So that's where this idea of machine learning or artificial intelligence comes from, because what we're doing is we're taking that data and we're feeding it through some algorithms that we create where we can actually take that data and use it for something meaningful. So if you think about the ketchup example, now I can actually use all of this data, not just about the ketchup, but looking at by store, how many ketchups sold or how many mustards sold or all ketchups and mustards in the combination all of those things because I can take all of those computer points and use them to help me to understand something. Maybe it was ketchups, mustards, buns, cheeses, and burgers. Maybe all of those things. And I may, may decide that I need to have more of a barbecue section in my store or I need to target it in some way. So that's the whole point, right? That's what the data really tells us and that's how people use it. And that's really what the, uh, the whole target market demographics is all about and what data science is all about. So Disney uses this in several different ways. One of the things they do is they look, they wanted to find out how to drive operational efficiency using their data-driven approach. So how can they be more efficient in their operation? Now I've had an opportunity recently to talk to a couple of people about some of the things that they're doing in this space. And it's really interesting because they're looking at all of the rides and what are some of the things that happen in rides and attractions so that they can Better be, they can be more proactive and be ready for potential problems in the ride. So you may have noticed over time, in the you know, 80s and 90s, after the rides were 20, 30 years old, sometimes the rides would break down unexpectedly and you'd hear about something that was happening. Or my example of the Pirates of the Caribbean is always a good one. The way that they ran the ride and they pushed people out, you were always waiting at the end back by where the, where, uh, the pirates were at the jail cells to exit the ride because they were um, launching them too quickly. And sometimes you'd have a breakdown and that would cause other problems and so on. By taking the data that they have available, all the data points of all of these ride vehicles, and even putting little um, informational things in the, in the vehicle so they pass certain points and you know that things are going well, or looking at the, the ride itself to see how many pass through an hour and you think it's going to be 10 and only 9 pass through, well, we've got a problem in the system. So you can be more proactive to be more operationally efficient and therefore avoid actual ride outages. So that the ride doesn't break down, you're being more proactive and taking it offline for a period of time before it actually becomes a problem. The second thing Disney does is to transform the customer experience with analytics and uh, wearable tech. And this is really where the, uh, that whole uh, My Magic experience comes in. Because you're wearing this band and we, we as data scientists, can track your movements through the parks and we can understand what's happening uh, with you and where you're going and what you're doing. And all of that information become, all of that becomes information points to help us. It used to be in the old days, when you go to the Magic Kingdom, most guests would come into the park and go right toward Tomorrowland and hit all the Tomorrowland attractions, work their way back around through Fantasyland, then through uh, Frontierland and uh, back into Liberty Square and then over to Adventureland and then they'd be exiting the park. We, as local guests, would know better and would go the opposite direction, would start with like Pirates or Jungle Cruise or something on that side and work our way back around. But with all of this data and the fact that they can now do fast passes for various times, they can reallocate resources in the park to make sure that the park has a nice balance across the park and they change people's habits. They don't just go well, clockwise around the, car, uh, the park starting with um, uh, Tomorrowland. Now you're going to start working through different places. And all of those things came from the analytics that they're using and understanding what guests do when they come in and, and making sure that they have the right experience. You, you, know, you don't want to have a big queue over by Space Mountain early in the day and nobody there late in the day. 
making sure that people take the Jungle Cruise at the end of the day. Jungle Cruise is great at night. Many people don't know that the Jungle Cruise exists at night because they think about it as a daytime attraction. I actually think the experience is better at night, but that's just me. But by putting data out there, we can help people to know that they should be going there. Uh, the third uh, tenant is increasing personalization with connected products. So by understanding who you are as a guest, Disney is able to do more with you and understand how to leverage you and leverage their resources to help you. So by putting the, uh, the My Magic Band in and having your photos all linked up through the Magic Band really does help because then you have more information right there about you. And some of these attractions where it talks about who you are and says, by David, when you're leaving the uh, parks, it's great. You know, you, uh, the small, It's a Small World is a great example of that. It actually takes some information off of your band and puts it up on the screen so that it knows who you are and wishes you a happy birthday if it knows it's your birthday. So those kinds of things are there and make it more personalized. And by using that data, Disney can really help themselves. And then finally, the fourth tenet is enhance interactivity across channels with a range of digital tools. The thing I've noticed is every time I go in the park, everybody's got their nose buried in their phone. They're looking to see what the next Fast Pass Plus is. They're looking to see where they should go next, what they should do next, who, you know, who they should see, whether they should go see a character, have lunch, blah, blah, blah. All of those things become part of your experience. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, I'm not going to comment on. I actually think it's bad. Okay, I did comment on it. But uh, I think that the fact that they're increasing the interactivity becomes an important part of it. So you're always sitting there and you're always connected and looking at things. And maybe you're even tweeting out things that are happening. And believe me, Disney is watching that too. They want to know how they're doing in real time. So as you start to do things and you start to pick, share information, whether you're sharing it publicly on the internet or whether you're doing it because you're doing something in the app, they know about it. They're keeping track of that information and it helps them to do a better job. Look, they keep upping the ante by raising the cost and saying they're going to have a better experience and doing all of these other things. And by having the Fast Pass Plus, the expectation goes up as well. But so far, Disney has delivered on that promise and been really good at uh, helping to understand all the data and making sure that the data is solid and there's a lot of good information in there and you have a great experience. The key is, you know, unlocking customer trends. You know, we're, we're living in a little bubble when we're at Disney because if you're staying at the resort hotels, they know everything about you. They know where you're staying, when you're coming, when you're going, what you're going to be doing there, all of those things about you. So they're using that to help build that sort of environment for you and making a better and better place for you to be and uh, going in and making it more interesting for you and making offers for you that are very specific to you. So in the future, you could see that they may make actual offers to you to actually say, hey, you know what? I'll give you a discount on ice cream or go over and buy that, uh, that plush toy and we'll give you 10% off. So it's really kind of interesting. And th that's one of those things that just fascinated me as I started looking at all of this because I realized that there's so much more that Disney is doing that we, didn't really, we don't really think about as customers, as guests. You know, the pace of data continues to evolve and there's, there's so much more that's coming and so many more data points that'll be going out there. We talked about, you know, how all these things, how all these data points are coming and there's, there's more and more, you know, but if you think about all the things that, uh, that Disney has with, through their My Magic and the uh, Fast Pass Plus and the Disney Experience and the Magic Bands and, you know, you can use your Magic Band to unlock your hotel room. You can enter the park with it. You can pay for things. Um, you have priority access in some cases and you can personalize those bands. You see people wearing bands and sometimes they have little widgets on them or things on them. They're also personalized sometimes because they have uh, some other things that they've, uh, they're, they're doing. 
I saw a funny, a little funny thing on a, um, on a website. It was, um, I think it was, I think it was something, one of these, uh, um, educational things where they were teaching you how to, uh, uh, look at big data. And they pointed out that Walt Disney collects a lot of data as much as Uncle Scrooge McDuck has money. And it, that kind of hit me. I was always a Scrooge McDuck fan and I always thought about, uh, you know, how much money he had. And really the data that they have is so rich that they have that same kind of thing. And they have a whole data management platform that they've got now where they're looking at, uh, you know, the transactional data when you're actually doing something, you're purchasing tickets, you're setting up your hotel room. The operational one where they're looking at all the, uh, the parks, the parks themselves, the rides themselves, everything that's going on. And then you have the, uh, the analytics over all of that stuff that kind of brings it together. And it really is kind of fascinating the way they're doing that because they've got all this information and uh, you know they've hired some of the best and the brightest in the uh, digital leadership space where they're bringing in good people and really smart people like I happen to know some of them having had worked with them in other places before um, and by having a true vision for what they want to use it for uh, and creating a culture of analytics which most most companies and organizations don't have I can tell you I do some data science work but we don't have a culture of it we're trying to, you know, we're a small shop that's trying to help a large company uh, to do something better. And then an ongoing investment in digital, you know, that's something that, again, most companies don't do, don't do, don't think about it that way. There was a good quote by Bob Iger that says, I really believe the company should look at technology as a friend. And I think I agree with him because that's something that really does sell what the company does. If they look at data in the right way and he's stewarding that, then it's really important and it becomes something very useful. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that happens is Disney uses a lot of outside companies, a lot of outside contractors to come in and look at their data and help them with it. Doesn't mean that Disney doesn't look at themselves because they do, but sometimes a fresh perspective will help them. So they'll bring in an outside company at times, or they'll bring in, um, actually go to a, a collaboration with an academic lab. So a university or some other academic place where they can actually go uh, and get some uh, get some information. And Disney actually turns it around too because they actually do fund some accelerator type programs where they turn it around and they say, we'd like to fund something where somebody's trying to use our data better. And uh, it kind of gives it an incubation feeling and it starts to, uh, starts to look at it a little bit differently. Yeah, how do they know when you call how to help you, right? You pick up the phone and you call uh, 407-W-Disney. I think that's still the number if I'm not mistaken. And you start talking to a reservation host. How do they know how to help you? They've got all this information at their fingertips. First off, they know your phone number, and that's a great place to start, and then they're using that to help you. Um, so that, that helps, and then if you start giving them some information, they'll use that too. So interesting thing, as far as I can tell, Disney has invested around a billion dollars, that's B, billion, to, into the whole uh, data analytics space, which is an unimaginable number. But it really is, they're setting new standards. They've, have, they've got patents in this space. They've got some, some new thoughts that nobody has really considered before. And they're doing some things that are really unique, interesting, and different that no one really thought through in the, in the data space. You know, you think about all the things they're doing with everything they know, all the information they collect, and they make a better experience. The guest experience keeps getting better. All of these things keep improving. And every time you go there, you look, you look at it and you go, wow, could it be better than the last time? And mostly the answer is yes. I know sometimes you have a, a mediocre experience, even me, I have a mediocre experience at times. But when I look at the big picture of it all, they're really thinking it through and considering how to use the data to make it better. 
And when I reach out and I tell them something or give a suggestion, they're always thankful for, for just having the suggestion because they're looking to improve all the time too. It's always about this iterative type thing. You never rest on your laurels. You never see Disney stop and go, wow, this is good enough. Even before they got into this digital space where they're really doing all these things and they invested this money, Disney was always looking to improve. If you think about Walt Disney himself and the idea for Tomorrowland, it's, it's sort of this vision of the future that will always be changing. It's never constant. You can't just rest on it and say that's the end of it. You always have to be evolving the thought. And that's exactly what it comes down to. They started evolving the thought, thinking about it differently, and considering all the possibilities to make it a much better experience. And that's true today too. They've expanded that thought out to making it a better, a better experience. Now, it's, it's an amazing thing, and I think it's, I think it's really going to pay off in big ways for Disney in the long term, uh, because I think they'll have a better understanding of the customer dynamics in a way that no one does right now. Uh, I don't think anyone in, in the world has a good understanding of the customer dynamics and how to work with them and how to make good customer experiences that are really outstanding right, that really set a new standard and really understanding people's data. Like Disney has so much more data and because you're in the place where you're looking to be happy, you're, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing about that business is everyone that goes to the Disney resorts is there to have a good time. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen. I realize that. But in general, that's what everyone is there for. So if you think about it from that perspective, it's easy to understand how you can use the data to make it better. Even back to the days when I was doing budgets for the Emporium. Some of the things that I was doing were helping with the data science at that point to help with the analytics and doing it better so that we could better understand and interpret our customers, the guests who came in there, and understanding what merchandise to have out, when to have it out, what kinds of things move, what don't. The ketchup bottle example might be a Mickey Mouse example. So all of those things kind of come together, and it really is pretty interesting, and I'm, I'm totally fascinated by the data science that goes along with it and some of the things that happen. It's just amazing. And I wanted to share that with you. And it's just it just was really cool. And I, I'm glad I could spend a couple of minutes. And I hope I didn't bore you talking about this. But I thought it was kind of interesting and worth talking about a little bit. Because Disney gets it. And it's really pretty neat to me. So there you go. That's my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 